thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on High at Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High at Nine News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the High at Nine News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Tuesday, January 9th, and today is National Balloon Ascension Day. It's also National Shop for Travel Day. You guys are going to love this one. It's National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. Stop it. You have to have police or else we have just anarchy in the streets. It's also National Apricot Day and National Static Electricity Day. You know, we just around here. Create all of these national days. What's that, Todd? Creates these national days. Uh, Lobbyists. Nationalists. Yeah. Lobbyists, lobbyists, definitely. <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can even watch us directly from our website at www.highatnightnews.com. But kicking it off today. It's right. It is the dope dad himself who's all bundled up because it has been a bunch of blustery days here in La La Land. That's right. He's got his little baby blue powder blue beanie on. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. The crowd goes wild. Looking like he's fresh from the baby shower. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. Well, um, thank you, Jason. And uh, happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Taco About It Tuesday. And today we're going to be talking about Thailand because they got some problems. So back in 2022, cannabis was decriminalized in Thailand, making it the first Asian nation to do so. And um, has effectively been operating in a legally gray area since, similar to the Prop 215 days, the good old Prop 215 days, California once enjoyed But decriminalization was pushed through before lawmakers could agree on how to regulate the industry. And last year's elections brought in a new prohibitionist government, which is now seeking to end the regulatory vacuum that has produced thousands of dispensaries all over the country. What? I don't know, man. It sounds like the deep state's trying to tap in. Sounds like it, bro. I don't know. I don't know. Where's Joe Biden at? According to Bluebird's uh, Pat Picha... 
Tanaka Semnipat, sorry, I really, really butchered that name, uh, Thailand's government is proposing a total ban on recreational consumption and hefty penalties on offenders under a new bill seeking to close legal loopholes created back in 2022. Under the new guidelines, smoking of cannabis and its use in any other forms for recreation will be banned. The draft bill was published by Thailand's Health Ministry Tuesday, making the use of cannabis plant or its products limited for medical and health purposes. The draft legislation is the latest attempt by authorities to regulate the industry after an earlier bill failed to win parliamental backing. It also meets Prime Minister Shreda Thavisson's um, election pledge to restrict the use of marijuana to medical purposes due to concerns over addiction. Under the proposed bill, anyone who smokes cannabis for recreation will face a fine of up to 60,000 baht or about 700, excuse me, $1,720. Uh, and those selling cannabis or its extracts for recreational purposes face up to a year in jail or 100,000 baht in fines, which is about uh, $3,3500. They sell everything from cannabis buds to oil extracts containing less than 0.2% uh, THC. And um, under the proposed rules, advertising or marketing campaigns for cannabis buds or extracts or any devices used in smoking will be prohibited. Driving while high on cannabis is punishable with a fine of up to 20,000 baht or a, a one-year sentence in jail. Government will be also be tightening licensing rules for cannabis planting, sales, exports, and imports once the new rules take effect. Growers will need to apply for a license within 60 days while existing dispensaries can continue to operate before renewing their permits. The government has not moved to reclassify the plant as a narcotic again, uh, which would have entailed longer jail terms or fines. The public and industry stakeholders have until January 23rd to submit feedback on the bill, and the health ministry may still make changes to the bill before submitting it to the cabinet, which will send it to parliamental for, um, for parliamental approval. Big things happening over in Thailand, and I know that everybody was excited about this um, and about the new opportunity over in Asia a couple of years ago, but um, elections have consequences. And this is exactly what's happening over in Thailand. I'd love to hear from the rest of the team and see what you guys think about this. Hope you guys didn't have any business over there. It's now at an, in jeopardy. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Bye, Nine News. Is it Let's all, talk about it. Is it all really in jeopardy? Because can't people just self-certify as medical there in Thailand? I don't know. That wasn't in the article. That was not in the article. I mean, I mean, because it's always been medical there, and yet they've had a pretty like they haven't had adult use sales there. It's all been medical, hasn't it, the whole time? Did, well, didn't they used to cane people over there? I think it did. Smoking. It did open up yeah. for adult use, didn't it? Because remember, we did a story a few months ago. Yeah. There was that jerk off American with like a leaf blower type product blowing smoke in the streets and like pissed and, off. Yeah, all the yeah that was that. Time. That was at the cookies opening. Yeah, cookies open. No, no, no. That, that was here in America. I'm talking about in Thailand. No, no, no. That was no, in Thailand. That was in Thailand. That was in Thailand. That was in Thailand too. That was the cookies oh, opening in, in Thailand. Thailand. <laughs> yeah, but elections have consequences. They yes, change they the uh, <laughs> they change the government, and now they change the rules. Right. Mm -hmm. Rules are for fools. You know what I also you know what I also wonder. I wonder how much of this uh, of of this uh, of this decision China is affecting because you know China don't like this at all. Most of the Asian countries do not like this. That's what no. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No. Yeah, I don't Most of that whole region are like, what the fuck? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and Smoke also the influx of Americans that went over there. <laughs> it was like That's we went over there.
like it was our well, home well you know? a we lot like, of them sweet we're just gonna smoke up in the streets uh, i bet vietnam was saying vietnam was over there saying what the fuck a lot a lot of them see what you did there see what you did there a lot of them did like that though a lot of them did like that though because they there was they 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 really appreciated the uh the u.s investment of capital that was coming into thailand so so i think oh, that there's yeah. kind of like a double double-sided sword is that yeah they, they're going to tolerate people smoking in the streets because they're bringing money into the country and providing jobs and whatnot but at the end of the day you know they didn't like that yeah the government didn't like it mm -hmm. elements of the government of... didn't like it yeah correct no. Not well, a, it's not, a couple of friends that were doing uh, cultivation out there, and they got ripped the fuck off. <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> a, it's a monarchy. They said it's, it's, it's the wild. It's worse than the wild west was out here, and they said you can't do anything. You have no idea. You have no idea who to sue or who to go after. But mm -hmm. um, look, I mean, I love the. I love the Thai people and Thai culture, but I mean, your first inclination was maybe when there's Buddhist monks fighting the government in Thailand. I mean, anything to rile up a Buddhist monk enough to like go and start fighting government forces, sums up. Some might be uh, might be worth uh, checking out. But look, I mean, the culture is great. The people are great. It's just this this business brings out the worst and the best in people. So here you go. There is no middle. That's no. true, and, and I do, and I do want to say, like, um, uh, uh, in terms of um, them, um, in Asian countries, like being against cannabis and everything, like Thailand might have moved a little bit too fast on this. They just like all of a sudden, they're like, okay, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do, and uh, that was a little bit of a culture shock to them. So um, I think this might be the pendulum swinging the other way mm -hmm. uh, pretty quickly, they, and hopefully they, they will. <laughs> yeah what's, what's that mary i think it, i think it got i think it got very crazy over there because they never officially legalized anything they just decriminalized and they decriminalized like the use which then made a culture erupt quickly more than they were expecting and it was also very uh it, it attracted many americans it attracted many from the west and i think more so than they could have ever fathomed and also it became the hub in that region yeah. for cannabis. And so it was attracting people from other countries, you know, in a good way, but also in a, in a way that created a lot of chaos for them. Also really having been a country that is embroiled in pro in the prohibition of the plant for years and years and years and years and years prior. So sh making that massive shift, I think was uh, very intense for them. Oh man. I, I want to also say that uh, it's not just Americans over there. A lot of Europeans um, that, are, sure. that are there, a lot of a lot of our mates from the UK that are in Thailand to, mm -hmm. to do this um, business venture. I mean, that's, you know, it's a lot of Americans, but it's a lot of other, you know, Westerners. Uh, a lot of Westerners, a lot of European um, people there doing this. Mm -hmm. A lot of white people, you saying? Is that what you're trying to say, Simon? There's plenty of white hey, people over hey, there. Hey. Hey, why you gotta, hey, why you gotta make shots fired? <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. European Americans. <laughs> yeah. The ugly Americans. European. Hey, I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, whoa. Shots fired, man. Shots <laughs> fired. Low blows. Low blows. Talk about it today. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Let's talk about <laughs> it Tuesday. I had my breakfast tacos this morning. I love it. I love it. I, I have a question for you guys. How many drugged driving incidents have they had in Thailand? I'm willing to bet the answer is zero. 
drug driving. Yeah, because because drug, drug driving doesn't exist. It's a it's a it's so a. You gonna have a, like you get, you're gonna get uh, get pulled over on one of those tut tuts. Yep. One of those yep. little. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. One of those little, little one of those little uh, one of those little uh, Roman chariots. Like, how would you even recognize somebody who is impaired when they already drive crazy as hell? Oh, I thought you were making a different reference, Rico. Uh, that's, that's bait. I'm I thought you were making a different <laughs> reference, Rico. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I thought going. you were making a different reference. <laughs> I'm following my internal GPS. I'm not uh, following your ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I bet. I bet. Well, Thailand. It sounds like it sounds like everyone that was all excited about Thailand is about about, about to get screwed over. So it sounds like they are in cannabis. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's a really good point. <laughs> yes. It's the official segue into cannabis. That's exactly. right. <laughs> and and on that, we're gonna segue right into a commercial and we're gonna be right back. Oh man, that was weird. Hey you America. Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs> Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Ten. Up next. Up next. It's the it's the high at night head honcho known for smoking the best weed in the world. Saman Razani calls him the highest Republican. <laughs> oh, you call him the highest. You, you so does so the, the what? So is the internet. What's that? The, the highest what? Old internet calls you that? Yeah. Listen. Yeah. What a, yeah. Go to highestrepublican.com and check it out, Todd. Yeah, we call him the highest Republican, but uh, Saman Razani called him something else. I think we call him the I call him the the OG Gandalf, you know, ingratiator. That's what Jason. Oh, that's what Jason. OG Gandalf ingratiator. I like I like that. But um, word on the street is that Cat Williams has some words for him too. But we will wait and see. Up next is Jason Beck. Oh, you know me and Cat go. We go way back, like four flats on a Cadillac, Rico. Y'all used to hang like wet clothes. Yeah, I heard. That's, that's right. Heard that. That's right. That's right. Oh, man, you guys, I got some interesting news today coming out of Ohio because apparently the Ohio House leaves marijuana users in limbo with weed policy, you guys. That's right. Ohio House lawmakers are puff, puff passing on dealing with marijuana policy until February, leaving marijuana enthusiasts in limbo. Ohio's new adult use marijuana law is now in effect, allowing adults 21 years of age or older to smoke. Under the law passed by voters, individual Ohioans would be able to grow up to six plants, but up to 12 per household. Um, and in a quote, I am a sickle cell warrior, and I believe that it's provided a much better quality of life, medical marijuana user Broderick Randall II said. Having access to the drug changed Randall's life, so much so that he now works for the cannabis processing facility Benny Leaves. In quotes, it's very hard even now to get access to cannabis as an as as an adult, he added, even though marijuana is legal, Ohio law has no system set up for people to legally buy it. This is frustrate frustrating Governor Mike DeWine. 
Well, everyone loves a good little frustration from the governor. But in a quote, the black market will develop every day that goes on, DeWine said during a press conference Friday. Right now, there are no authorized sellers. The Division of Cannabis Control isn't set to start processing retail applications until June, which means users likely won't be able to legally buy marijuana until late summer or early fall. The state Senate agreed and passed a bill to make weed available in medical dispensaries if the proposed law takes effect. However, it would limit home grow, reduce THC levels, and ban the vast majority of vapes. Republican State Representative Jamie Callender, Republican from Concord, said it isn't what voters choose, so he and House leadership are blocking it. In quotes, limiting that li- limiting that is really in the face of a lot of voters that voted for this, Callender said. DeWine isn't happy with the House for a multitude of reasons. The representatives are coming back from their winter break early to try to override his veto of a transgender health care ban. In quotes, this might be a good time to take up the deal again, something that they did not do, which is to deal with marijuana issues, DeWine said cheekily. Members of the House tell uh, WEWS and OJC that they are not only coming back for, for this override vote, and have no plans to deal with weed. In quotes, we are still working on getting consensus on several areas, Calendar said. Marijuana legalization is not currently scheduled for committee or floor action this week. Calendar, the de facto and seemingly bipartisan spokesperson for the House, continues to fight back against the pressure from the, from the Senate and the governor to concur on the other chamber's legislation. All of, in quotes, all of the interested parties are still actively discussing the outstanding issues calendar continued and says i wish it were more it, it were going more quickly but getting it right is more important than exp, 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 um state senator Repu- uh, state, state senator rob mccauley republican from napoleon and senate senate president matt hoffman republican from lima are having to negotiate with calendar and house speaker johnson stevens republican from kilts hills but the house claims to not be budging it should be noted that hoffman and stevens have continue have contentious at best relationship and in quotes even for cheech and chong that wouldn't be for personal use huffman said about growing 12 plants per household this would be essentially creating a black market for people to sell around their neighborhood or whatever it would be Macaulay, the de facto and seemingly bipartisan spokesperson for the Senate, assured the proposal wasn't going against the will of the people since he believes that the voters didn't really know everything that they were voting on. I love when politicians say this. This is just so ridiculous as if voters are that stupid. In quotes, he says, I think what the voters really voted for would have been access to the products, the senator added. Calendar strongly disagreed. And uh, in quotes, I want to make sure that here in this chamber, the people People's House that we carry out the will of the people and the people have spoken, the Republican lawmaker added. Calendar has his own bill, HB 354, that is similar to current law. It adds some safeguards for advertising and children, and Calendar likes the idea of include, of including immediate dispensary access as well. After this week, the House won't be back until f- February, and in quotes, at some point, we will just have to break out the peace pipe, Calendar said, acknowledging the double entendre.
Even though Randall's uh, business would profit if dispensaries could open for adult use, he agrees with Calendar and, in quotes, says, I think it's the people's right that people have voted for it, he said. People can wait a bit longer to buy marijuana, so that that's the law follows the will of the voters, he, he says. He just wants the will of the voters, and I'm with that. I'm all about the will of the voters, but it doesn't sound like Ohio's legislature is willing to implicate it, and why are they just going after homegrown? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all have to say about this? There are 12 plants going after them. These Republicans mad. They mad. This is big mad. And, and because Michigan just won national all, championship exactly. last night. Michigan yep. just won the national championship last night, mm-hmm. and they still mad. They're fuming. That's exactly mad. why they're, they're mad. Still mad about last even more mad. Mm-hmm. You bl- yes, blame it are. all on Michigan, bro. Yeah, they will. That's all That's what Republicans fault. always do. They blame it on somebody else, and they don't look in the mirror. It's <laughs> becoming a trend where you know lawmakers are changing laws that voters vote on. Yeah, it, so, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I I, I agree with you, Todd. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Like the fact that, that that they're saying that the voters didn't know what they were voting for, I think is very disingenuous of a lawmaker to ever state. Um, re- regardless of what side you're on, whether you're Republican or a Democrat, it, yeah. I, to me it just yeah. goes totally against the will of the people. Like you're assuming that people are just naturally stupid, and you're saying that that voters are naturally stupid because they can't understand basic English. I think the problem is the politicians are basically stupid. No, they no, can't no. I understand. Think, no, they can't understand why the will of the people is to legalize, right? No, well, but but what about this and what about that and what about this and what about the kids? No, I just, I just, I disagree. I disagree with that, that statement. I believe that they're using the people as scapegoats to impose their own will as opposed to the will of the people. Oh, agreed. That's what I'm. Yeah, I agree. It's their own will they're imposing, mm-hmm. right? Because. Oh, they're they're in a position of power, but doesn't make them smart. <laughs> you know that, that, that is true. <clears throat> there is no IQ test to be a politician. That is very true. That's right. That's what I'm saying. The only thing you have to know is how to raise money and run a campaign. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's it. Exactly right. And bullshit. Well, I mean, the bullshit can come along, and you can get plenty of staff that can help you with bullshit. Yeah. But like, you right. actually have That's to right. know how to raise money and like be true. personable with people, or else you'll never be elected. Not to mention, you have to have a catchy name too, because like the only person that I've seen do it with a crazy name that is actually doing it is Vivek Ramaswamy. That's the only one that I've seen do it with a crazy name that people just don't know. Or you no, could be just, uh, you could just uh, put your name in an AI generator like Mike Johnson. <laughs> oh, oh boy you know what we're gonna roll right off right on into our favorite delta eight smoker that's right mr stone slade he's out there in the great state of texas partying up in austin hitting the high road and he's got some gold records in his backdrop that's right it is none other than mr stone slade <laughs> The Delta 8 aficionado. Thank you, Jason. Uh, please don't send the Delta 8 this month. Uh, we don't do that anymore. No, we don't. We've never done that. Get off the Delta 8. Great. Here we I go. Can, I can save some money on shipping now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Good morning and welcome, everybody, at the Hyatt 9 News Hour. Today, I'm covering a story that has significant implications for the future of cannabis in Hawaii. Despite presenting a draft marijuana legalization bill, Hawaii's Attorney General Ann Lopez has clarified that her office does not support the legalization of adult-use cannabis. However, she's not actively opposing it. 
provided that the legislation includes certain key elements. On Friday, her office sent lawmakers a comprehensive 315-page draft uh, for legalization, along with a detailed 38-page report. Lopez emphasized the draft bill is not the Department of the Attorney General's cannabis bill. It's meant to offer a legislative option with public safety and health protections. She acknowledged the increasing likelihood of the legislature passing a legalization bill and stated her department's role in warning of risks and providing a robust framework for public safety and health. Take notes, Ohio, maybe, I don't know. The department's uh, report reiterates the stance. Although it doesn't support legalization, it will remain neutral, ensuring the bill contains essential elements and doesn't include provisions contrary to these elements. The legalization uh, legislation has been introduced in recent sessions with the Senate passing a reform bill in March. Attorney General Lopez appointed by Governor Josh Green has expressed a commitment to developing a regulatory and law enforcement package to aid any potential le legislation. Key figures like House Judiciary Committee, Committee Chairman David Tarnas and Senators Jarrett I'm sorry, have praised <laughs> the comprehensive nature of the bill. Advocates have supported several components like the home grow option, but seek more equity focused changes. Nikos Lavernez from the Drug Policy Forum of Hawaii and Hawaii's Health and Harm Reduction Center highlighted the importance of Governor Green's active involvement with legislative leaders. He stressed that decades of cannabis prohibition have failed in terms of public safety and health and called for a shift towards consumer safety, sensible health regulations, and economic prosperity. Now, reflecting on my recent trip to Oahu, just got back a few weeks ago, I experienced firsthand the benefits and shortcomings of Hawaii's current cannabis policy. While I appreciated the ease of obtaining a temporary medical card using my legal recommendations from my home state, the quality of cannabis product was very underwhelming. Uh, the flower lacked any aroma or taste, and the concentrates were definitely not up to bar. Not up to par. Uh, my GMO did not smell or taste like GMO. Very green not the, the product that I was that, that I was used to here in the States. Um, this experience reinforces my beliefs that there is no valid reason to not legalize uh, adult use cannabis in Hawaii. Legislation would not only ensure better, well, hopefully better quality and experience for consumers, but also free of law enforcement to focus on more serious issues on the islands. As we anticipate the developments in Hawaii's cannabis legislation, it's clear that while any step towards legalization, uh, legalizing adult use cannabis is a positive one, the path ahead is nuanced. The attorney general's stance, though not upright, outright oppositional, does suggest a lingering prohibitionist mindset. Uh, the reality means that we must approach the future with a blend of optimism and caution. Um, legalization would elevate the quality experience for consumers and allow law enforcement. I just fucked up and read that again. My bad. Yet. With current administration's cautious approach, full legalization of uh, legalized adult use market in Hawaii remains a matter of wait and see. Stay tuned to the Hyatt 9 News Hour for more updates on this evolving story. And now more than ever, weed for the people. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the Hyatt 9 News Hour. Oh, yeah. I see what you did there, Stone. I mean, Hawaii. They, so you're telling me that Hawaii is kind of like the boof capital of America? Oh my God, Jason! Well, I my so my mom lived there for over twenty years. I was there in seventh grade and went to Hawaii Preparatory Academy, and I can tell you that the nugs I stole from her jar were light years ahead of the flower I experienced um, from the cur current medical mm -hmm. market in Hawaii. 
I'm, I'm interested. We obviously don't have chemo in the in, in in the chat today, or else you know he'd be standing up fiercely for Hawaii. Yeah, he is. He's in there right now. Lolo. I don't yeah. see him. In there. I'd love I don't I mean, see him. Chemo, oh, there, there he is. is. I see him. Yes, I see him. I see Slade him. slays. Slade slays. Yes. I'm gonna tell you, the legal market isn't where the good cannabis is. I I I, I uh, sampled six different flowers from six different companies. I mean, I was happy to be able to have it, but it was not. It was not. It was not quality. It was. It was like bad Colorado. I, w- I wonder. I wonder if part of this is because, uh, like, maybe possibly the good grows could have possibly burnt down in all those fires that they had out there. I was on a different island. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's on a different island. That 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 could have been where the good weed was coming yeah. from. Right. If it came from earlier. This- yeah, when I was out it's there coming earlier from California, this, uh, we all know that. I was right? there earlier this year. It was like last year, but um, yeah, I was out there last year, and um, I didn't even touch any of the legal stuff. But I had some great, great uh, um, um, cannabis from my supplier. You had great mm. cannabis from your supplier. Was your supplier yourself? No, it was not. It was not. You didn't... My OGs, OGs from Hawaii, oh, and yeah. um, great, great, great weed out there. It was Interesting. fantastic. Interesting. I also had really great weed when I was in uh, Hawaii. Taking uh, ta- none yeah. of the legal kind, but just, uh, yeah, I had good weed in Hawaii for sure. Just under this, he, under understand this. He said he said that he got good weed out there in Hawaii, and this is from the guy who loves Blue Dream. I didn't say I love Blue Dream. I said Blue Dream is my medicinal every morning. Uh-huh, exactly, exactly. Uh-huh, exactly. You love Blue Dream. Yeah, here you are. What's good. the number one strain? What's the number one strain? Number one strain in California is actually Blue Dream, according to all sales well, data across the, the state. World That's right. Blue Dream. It's true. Yeah. Number there's one so strain sold in California variants. is Blue Dream. That is a fact. Number one, there's so many different variants. I did a, I did a, a genetic test in uh, Nevada. We took 12 Blue Dreams from 12 different growers and had the genetics tested and only four of them were actually in the blue dream tree the blue dream tree the family tree of blue dream <laughs> yeah how many yeah, branches does the blue dream tree have it has several branches several branches <laughs> yeah <laughs> are any of the lot, other branches lots of, lots of roots too jason lots of roots are any are any of the branches named a different color other than blue dream todd they're not they're not no. they're all purple. blue there's a lavender Oh man, what do you think about this, Mary? <laughs> I have many thoughts, actually. Oh. Uh, I think that lavender dream sounds amazing. I probably would like it better than blue dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that, according to the conversation we were just having about the uh, best cannabis in Hawaii coming not from the legal market, I would say that that's probably kind of the vibe in most in, in most places. Okay. The best weed does not come from the legal market, in my opinion. No. So there's that. Mm. Maybe maybe it's a little well. No, no, no. It's the same with it concentrates as well. Same with hash. Like all the good stuff does not come from the legal market. So, so I wonder. I wonder. I do you, do you think it could be that testing actually degrades the quality of the product? Because that's I don't the big think difference. It's necessarily testing. I don't think it's testing. We have a we, we take a small sample and bring it to the lab, right? It doesn't affect the rest of the the lot. Who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? You never know. You never know what's going on in some labs nowadays. You know what I mean? Tainted testing. True. True. <laughs> oh, believe me, testing in California is not Yes, testing. There's blue dream out there in the legal market being grown by some amazing growers and you don't even know it's blue dream because they call it something else so that's another factor there is the people that grow blue dream but don't call it blue dream what about those guys that was my whole point exactly 
Mm. Call it nightmare fuel. Mm. How about, how about <laughs> blue, blue scream? <laughs> I like that, man. Yes. It's a little Halloween strain. Little, little, that yeah, yeah, that's it. right. That's dig right. It. Keep the holiday cheer mm-hmm. around. Um, we're going to think that, well, Mary, why do you think that the, the weed is better by, by in the black market? Is it the carrying of the plant? Is it a is it an a, a industrial agricultural thing? Uh, something. I think definitely the care for the plant. There's something about the care for the plant that seems to kind of deteriorate a bit once uh, regulations get involved and once um, money is involved and investors get that's involved and then VC capital co- comes in and everything kind of like the, the quality and the care that goes into growing really quality artisanal cannabis kind of goes out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, I, but I, I, it's still the high THC and the good quality weed that sells for the most money in the dispensary. Well, that, that's because right? so you have uneducated, you have uneducated, uneducated buyers though, that are shopping in dispensaries, Todd, that are just going based off of a THC percentage. They're not, they're the, Which the, is bullshit. Yeah, the, 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 the way, the way how everyone used to buy, used to buy weed is, 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 is with their nose back in the day. You look at it and, and smell and, it. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in a regulated no, market, no, no, they, they no. don't allow for that. And not to mention, I think one of the reasons that the quality goes down in the, in the legal market is due to the fact that everything comes prepackaged and you don't have that deli style modeling. And I'm a big believer that cannabis stays better longer when it's preserved with all of its other little cannabis friends. So you say Cali um, used to be. Mm-hmm. Good old days. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you if you if, if you're selling someone an eighth out of a pound, as opposed to just selling them an eighth in a jar, that eighth out of the pound is going to be better and it doesn't even matter what THC percentage it is. No, I agree with that. All right. Mm-hmm. I think it has everything to do with that. And on that, we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. All right, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. I know we'll appreciate it. You'll appreciate it, and even YouTube will appreciate it. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you've not subscribed already. And all the articles that we cover on today's show, you can read on our website at www.highatnightnews.com. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yeah, Saman, Saman got his first stretch and smoke last week. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Sure, he did. Mm. Up next oh, is the founder of the Smuggleverse, president and founder of Digipath Labs, and he's the dopest grand faja with the golden voice, Mr. Todd Dakin. 
Thank you, Rico. Oh, Granddaddy Perk. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, depending on where you are and when you're watching this. Uh, well, Nevada's back in the news because Nevada marijuana consumption lounges are on the way, and they could soon become industry's new frontier, according to a former top regulator. Nevada's marijuana lounges are coming soon, and the state's former top regulator says the social consumption facilities could represent new frontier of the legal cannabis industry after an extensive rulemaking process that laid a robust foundation for the marketplace. Heather Klimas, who served as executive director of the Nevada Cannabis Compliance Board 2020 to uh, just the end of last year, discussed the state's forthcoming hospitality market during an interview with Weed Wonks that was released uh, this week. After a year-long process to set up rules for consumption lounges, which were legalized under a bill from Assemblyman Steve Yeager, a Democrat in Nevada, and that former Democratic Governor Steve Sisolak signed into law back in 2021, facilities are positioned uh, to open imminently, Klimas said. Uh, he also added, and we're going to see them in practice. So it's a very interesting and exciting time to see what happens in this new sector. TCB approved an initial batch of consumption lounges last June, which came after regulators gave preliminary approval to 40 prospective hospitality businesses. In the interview, which was taped last November before he left office, Clemens acknowledged that the private industry and consumers have been eager to see the sector open sooner. He said regulators have been intentionally methodical to ensure success, holding over a dozen public meetings to bring in a wide range of stakeholders before finalizing the rules, for example. At this point, the remaining steps before the approved lounges open are for uh, licensees to find building space, get the local government approvals, and build out their facilities. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's an unknown market, he said. There's no blueprint anywhere. We see many business plans and projections, but nobody really knows until we open it up. We don't know how successful it's going to be, which is very exciting. TCB Consumption Lounge Program Officer told Marijuana Moment in an email on Tuesday that we do not have an exact date for the opening of the state's first consumption lounge, period. However, some licenses have offered tentative timelines, with the Las Vegas-based Planet 13 retailer planning to, planning to launch its first eased lounge for the Cannabis Holiday 420, for example. Of the 40 provisional licenses that were granted in late 2022, 20 were awarded to new independent businesses, with half of those going to social equity applicants. Other 20 were for existing cannabis retailers <laughs> that plan to open social use areas. Regulators have agreed to cap the consumption lounge license at 65, at least for now. Rulemaking might have taken longer than consumers and stakeholders would have hoped, but Klima says it was intended to be that way. And he said the CCB is grateful that the legislature allowed regulators to move through an administrative process to stand up to the sector without overly prescriptive statutes or deadlines to follow. That allowed them to take input from multiple viewpoints so that rules that developed became a solid foundation for the market. He said, obviously, when you're talking about social consumption, you've got local governments playing a huge role in that. You've got law enforcement and the anxieties that law enforcement has, deservedly so, around social consumption. Klimas was replaced and succeeded by James Hum of the Governor's Office of Economic Development he now leads the uh, CCB. 
was it important to have the space bring all of the voices in? Again, knowing that this is part of the foundation. When we do launch, there's no coming in after the fact saying, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe you guys did that. Unconventional cafe-type facilities, the law also allows for businesses that couple cannabis with yoga, serve infused food, offer THC-aided massage therapy, so he can come here now, right? Or incorporate marijuana in other ways. Falak, the former governor, touted Nevada's lounge in a 420 opt-ed for Marijuana Moment in 2022, writing, quote, the idea isn't new, but no one is doing it like we are in Nevada. While most of the consumption lounges in other states don't offer food, beverages, or other entertainment options, he added, Nevada's lounges will be one-stop entertainment shop to create jobs, grow the industry, and boost our economy. To the board-approved rules, consumption must be hidden from public view. Smoking and vaping must take place in a separate room of the lounge or be prohibited entirely. What? Single-use or ready-to-use cannabis products can't be brought off-site. Businesses must provide water to every guest free of charge. Lounges will also be cannabis only. No alcohol, no tobacco, or nicotine products can be sold. Their safety-related regulations require lounges to establish plans to limit cannabis-impaired driving and minimize workers' exposure to secondhand smoke. Guns are prohibited, surveillance is required, and procedures must be in place to reduce and respond potentially violent or uh, harassing behavior. Single-use cannabis products are limited to no more than 3.5 grams of usable cannabis under the regulations, with extracted inhalable cannabis products, such as vaping or dabbing products, limited to 300 milligrams of THC. All single-use products with more than one gram of usable cannabis and all extracted inhalables must carry written potency warnings. Individual servings of ready-to-use, uh, ready-to-consume edible products are capped at 10 milligrams THC, Early standard amount in the states that have legalized cannabis for adult use. Goals, meanwhile, are limited to 400 milligrams of THC. Transdermal patches and all other cannabis products have no more than 100 milligrams THC and must carry a written warning if they have more than 10 milligrams. I don't know who's going to a lounge and getting a transdermal patch, first of all. Anyway, so lounges are coming. I don't really see how they're going to make any money. So I'm definitely interested in how it pans out. Uh, do you guys think lounges are a good idea? I mean, I've been to the uh, to Nuwu here in Vegas on the Indian Reservation, and uh, really a really great setup. And I don't go there to really hang out. I go there more for meetings, which is a good spot. Then uh, I've been to the Cannabis Cafe in California. Um, actually, Jason and mm-hmm. I uh, used to hang out there. Yeah, we did. We've we, been we there many times. There. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did a little interview with Jason uh, mm-hmm. over the Cannabis Cafe, and I loved that setup. It was, you know, the ability to order food and smoke a joint or smoke yeah. a joint and order food. And food always tastes better. Uh, I, I really hope it works. I just don't know how these guys are going to make money here in Vegas. Um, you guys think. I'm Todd Dankin with Hyatt 9 News. Hang. I mean, it's it, it's open again now, Todd. They 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 have reopened. So when when you it was a great experience, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When you do come out here, we can go and film something over there. 
and, uh, oh, yeah. and 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 check it out again. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know what, Todd, you, you make uh, you bring up a lot of very interesting, valid points, and 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 I happen to agree with a lot of them. I do think that all overall that these businesses can be successful only because they're in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay, West Hollywood, we have some standalone consumption lounges that uh, that 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 are still around. Now, granted, uh, th- those operators that have just the standalone consumption lounge have other license types to help fund uh, fund their projects and whatnot. But nonetheless, they're able to to it's it's able to stay afloat and the doors are open. Um, but it but we did just recently have a city meeting, and all of the people that had the edibles only consumption lounges, which were granted up to have fifteen hundred square feet of combustible uh, cannabis consumption within their establishment, have all basically told the city that their licenses are worth nothing. And that, and that unless they become a default dispensary or have the ability to offer full combustible, their license is worth nothing and they probably won't ever open. I see that. I, you know, they mentioned Planet 13 has a ginormous uh, dispensary and a whole complex uh, here in Vegas. So mm-hmm. it makes sense for them, right? It makes sense to be yeah. inside a place where you can go buy some weed, walk next door, sure. light it up, smoke it, and go chill, and then get on with your day, right? That, that it um, does. But, or even even if you're going to be like have like an offshoot of like Circus Olay, do like an offshoot of Circus Olay performances, and then open that as a consumption lounge, I think that would be cool, and people would go to that for that. Or, or maybe the the consumption lounges just hire these, uh, you know, these actors and these artists and these musicians and acrobats to well, come perform some kind of live shit, you know, at the uh, at the yeah. Lounge. That, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Basically, what I'm saying is that, is that these businesses are going to need other types of attractions right. to lure people there, not just the cannabis. The cannabis is a secondary yeah. component of why people would go there. I so think they'll go there. The tourists will go there more often than the well, locals. Yeah, and, I, I, you know, forty million people come here I, a year. I agree, so. and and that's why I said that's why I said I think they can be successful since they're in Las Vegas. But if they were in Reno, I don't think they'd be successful at all. They would lose money. I just think it's ridiculous how overly cautious they are with like what could happen yeah. and the safety and the the drug driving when we just have a million fucking bars people die every night drinking and driving. So it just blows my mind that this isn't just more accepted and being like, oh, you want a place where you can go smoke? Have at it. Here's your business license. Go do it. Well, you know, you know what the prohibitionists say in regards to that, to to that argument, uh, Stone Slade, is that, is that we don't necessarily need more intoxicants on the road than we already have. And that's their argument. That's their, that's their rebuttal to that. So what do you have to say on this? They just want to tax you to death. They just want to charge you to death. Um, just to be able to run a, a profitable business. It's nuts. You have to turn this now. Now you have to turn it into a circus to get people to come and stay and to be a patron of your business. Mm-hmm. Right. When all of this started out as, hey, it's a place to collectively group together and come to share ideas. Um, like exactly like what Stone said, like a freaking bar, like an alehouse from, you know, the Roman times. Like we've all, like they've been doing this, right? So it's just, it's another Sorry, way you, just to pack us, I, just to scare us, to move us away from, you know, these businesses, these types of businesses, because it's a, it's a money pit. But, I will say that there, I, I think that there are some cool places that are percolating, um, you know, in some of these uh, municipalities that are going to be really cool. And I think it just That's is great. like, you know, you have to have a really big place. You have to have the commercial kitchen. You have to have the ability to feed people. 
um, and to keep people there and enough um, enough of an attraction, as you said, Jason, to get them to like come to these um, events and some very astute, knowledgeable cannabis uh, Illuminati in our uh, chat have also said that it's like, you know, unless it's an event, there's not really a reason to go to a lounge. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think, I think there has something there. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. circus thing, yeah. man. I think you did. You just turn circus circus into a giant cannabis lounge. Hold on, did did, did you hear though? Did you, did you did you catch what Saman was actually advocating for? Saman was actually yeah. advocating for weed winches. <laughs> hey man, let me tell you what. You're gonna we teach him to say hello. We don't call him. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. You're gonna co-sign that. Don't take that bait. Hey, but 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 in all seriousness, my favorite part of this whole this whole this whole uh this whole story, Todd, is the fact that they are required to give everybody free water. No. I, I was so excited about that. I knew that. you were gonna. I, I knew so, you were gonna zero in on that. I, 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 I was so excited about that because I can't tell you how much money I spend in Vegas when I'm in Vegas on actual bottles of water and how how far you have to travel in that desert to actually find a good bottle of water. It is insane. Now you got a reason to go to a cannabis lounge. That's why I'm saying water. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go there just for the water. Just 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 to just to hydrate. Yeah, just to hydrate. Mm. Hear that, stoners? Go hydrate. Get to those lounges and hydrate. Yes. Exactly. There's a, a big-ass CVS right in the middle, man. I always hit that shit up and get oh, it. Oh, that's like my a, favorite CVS. Yeah, I, I, I just yeah. stock up. I buy so much water, it's ridiculous. Yep. Um, I think yep. the lounges have to be a things-to-do-when-you're-stoned kind of a lounge. Oh, video games. That's, that, that's what I'm saying. That it has to be something else of why people are going there. It can't just be because they're going there to smoke weed. It has to be some other type of attraction or else these things are never going to survive. You got to make be able to make money I and afford that license. Go ahead, Mary. I think it's pretty problem. I think it's pretty problematic. The fact that like and again, I don't really understand how um, how small this region is or how large this re this region is like where exactly the, uh, you know, the zoning is for allowing these uh on-site consumption lounges to exist but 65 of them in vegas which isn't that large seems like overkill and just by that alone i think that's going to cause a problem because the more consumption lounges there are uh the like less money they ultimately end up making especially in small regions so i think that i think that actually creates an issue and if there were less i think it would be better for business owners and on like with that though i do think that it is important that there are on-site consumption lounges in las vegas for people who don't drink it seems crazy that people who don't drink would ever go to vegas but i think that just having that option there will provide people an opportunity to you know choose something different if they want to or both whatever and um yeah i uh, i think that while 65 is too many i do think that having on-site consumption lounges in general there in Vegas is important. Hey, Todd, yeah. what happened to the Artisan Hotel? Whatever happened to that? Uh, it's yeah. still there. They are operating, and they um, they have a new name, though, now. Um, Weren't they supposed to have topless? They were supposed to have, like, a, <laughs> boobs and blunts over there? No, no, they're, they're completely operating. They have events there all the time. Um, are they topless events? I've been to an event there. It's a great place. Are they topless events? I have not been to a topless event as of yet, but I'm willing to go check it out. I, I appreciate that, Todd. Thank let, you. Let us know. <laughs> thank, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your sacrifice, Todd. Coming, I'm a giver. Yes. A coming giver. up next, that's right, it's Mary Carrion. She's a journalist and editor of Double Blind Magazine, and she's the co-founder of the Hyphy Leaks podcast. That's right. Coming up next is none other than Mary Carrion. Thank you.
Very happy to be here. Hi at Nine News. Woo woo! Oh yeah. <laughs> so for my piece that I'm going to be covering today is uh, earlier at the very uh, a few days ago actually. Uh, the DEA responded to a letter from New York attorney Michael McGuire about the legality of psilocybin mushroom spores. And the DEA, the DEA's drug and chemical evaluation section chief, his name is Terrence Booz, responded saying that as long as psilocybin mushroom spores have not been germinated into psilocybin containing fruiting bodies, then the spores are federally legal. And the reason why that that's an important thing is because this has been a topic of deba debate in the mushroom community for a very long time. Can you buy a spore kit? Can you sell spore kits? Can you sell spores? Is it okay? Is it illegal? What's going on? And it's been this very murky gray area, decades long debate, honestly. And uh, last week or, or a few days ago, the DEA decided or the DEA said that it is not illegal to be moving around spores. And the reason why is because uncultivated spores do not contain psilocybin or psilocin and are currently uncontrolled under the Controlled Substances Act. It's one of the loopholes that's helped generate access to magic fungi in, you know, in, in the decades prior and currently. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the gist of this whole piece. Uh, the DEA, the best quote from this story by Marijuana Moment, the best quote is uh, by, what's his name, um, Terrence Booz. The quote is, if the mushroom spores or any other material do not contain psilocybin or psilocin or any other controlled substance or listed chemical, the material is considered not controlled under the CSA. However, if at any time the material does contain a controlled substance, psilocybin or psilocin, upon germination, for example, the material would be considered a controlled substance under the CSA. So while that's really great, and that kind of opens up a lot of, um, you know, opportunities for people who sell spore kits to either get on the market or continue pushing on the market, um, keep in mind, however, that the police still have arrested or utilizing spore kits, but it's possible that that could be connected to whether these spore kits are considered drug paraphernalia and basically how they are marketed. And furthermore, there are states such as California and Georgia and Idaho that's currently prohibit psilocybin mushroom spores and like moving them into the state, shipping them, et cetera. So that creates some issues. But what's also interesting is that this this topic actually brings up a, it actually mirrors the, um, another DEA paradox, which was addressed in a separate earlier letters from this same guy from the DEA. And it's basically whether or not uh, seeds, cannabis seeds that produce the plant are legal or they're not legal. And that was a big, that was like a big issue. Um, it, I mean, it still kind of is in some ways, but um, basically the seeds that produce the plant are, are not illegal as long as they do not contain more than 0.3% THC by dry weight. You're able to buy them, sell them, move them, and that's cool. Yeah, that's basically the gist of it. And so the DEA kind of put to rest a huge debate that's been in the community for a very long time between people who uh, love mushrooms, sell mushrooms, uh, move around, spore kits, etc. So this th th this is a win for people right here, Mary. If you're selling spores, 
You're 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 yeah. winning right now. Absolutely. This is time. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's like it's like when you break these things down, they're it's obvious, right? It's logical. And that's what everyone's been saying for so long. It's like, you know, because the the spores, for those that don't know, like they're the reproductive you know, stage of the the cells of the mushroom. So like that's the seed essentially. And then the mycelium, which is something completely different, which what, you know, people are doing is like inoculating bags without fruiting bodies. They're saying it's, you know, benign. It's not going to be like some crazy thing. So I don't know. I'm all for it. I think, um, you know, I think just let those things go, baby. They're in the air anyway. Just let them, let them keep going. I mean, this is this, this has been the case for a lot of laws through, throughout 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 my lifetime of cannabis. It was like you know, like you can you can go into a store and buy a bong, but you can't get caught with a bong. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, right, so it's right. like it's, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, you can you can order the spores, you can do whatever, but you can't get caught with any of it once it turns yeah. into whatever it's supposed to turn into. That's that's order. funny that you mentioned that. A lot of people don't even understand that. We had to go back to we had to go to the uh, the freakies uh, for all the people that yeah. know freakies. Yeah, freakies, you know, uh, in Denver. But like, you had to go there and say, hey, I want a I want a tobacco pipe. I want a water. Yeah, tobacco you want pipe. you want a water pipe. All the time. You want a water pipe or a tobacco you pipe. Even or... say bong. You yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't even say bong. You get kicked out. You'd be eighty six. Yeah, I brought a slide. I brought the slide for my bong that broke. You know, I, yeah. I didn't know like the millimeter. I needed to check it, so I brought that with me one time. I remember I was like sixteen years old, and they fucking kicked me out of the place because yeah. they had like weed residue. Because they had weed residue. Exactly. <laughs> You're just stinking up the place with all that bammer weed. Some sixteen year old in the in the shop also. Yeah. And all that <laughs> all that dry ass Colorado booth out there. At that time, we had the homegrown. We had the homies down. Dad, homegrown, you know, we were selling us little dime bags in high school. Like, that's, yeah, you know, nice. that's what the deal was. Now we had chronic, but we were definitely smoking the, the, the stress. You know, that was definitely a thing in high school. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna front. I can front. I'm not from Cali. I'm not spoiled like you Cali kids out here. <laughs> Sucks for you. you now I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled. Yes. Let's do it. Well, bringing us home today. Is the fellow dope dad and 15-year industry vet, award-winning solvent extraction pioneer, with a current focus on helping menopausal women say hello and hi once again. <laughs> Y'all know who it is. It's Aman Razdani. Let's bring us home, baby. Bring us home. What's that adult song? Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> hello, hello. Happy Tuesday. Get a clearance. Oh shit! <laughs> now with that pitch, yeah. now with that pitch. Uh, we got a story. We got a story for you guys out of good old Connecticut. I don't know what's up with my uh, my thing here. Bear with me. Bear with me one moment, people. My people. Oh, you're lagging, Simon. Hey. Enough time to get ready. I, exactly. I, it's I, like, I, what do you think? We didn't ask you to roll a blunt, Simon. Where's my Alright guys High Times article today Connecticut Cannabis Gifting Event Receives Cease and Desist Letter For, for Connecticut Connecticutans I don't know what you call yourselves out there But in Connecticut The High Bazaar Is a private cannabis event that has been held Since 2022 The Masonic Temple Day Spring Lodge in Hamden hosts these events, which in the past has attracted hundreds or even thousands of people. 
The event is what many news outlets and politicians call a cannabis gifting party, in quotations, where attendees pay a fee for entry and can purchase cannabis accessories or obtain gifts that come with the cannabis. Now, Connecticut Attorney General William Tong is claiming that the event violates state law. Tong recently sent a cease and desist letter to High Bazaar event host Joseph Acutulo and Cody Roberts. Our office has been aware that you are involved in organizing recurring unlicensed, unlicensed cannabis markets under the name High Bazaar. It appears that these events involve the illegal marketing and sale of cannabis outside of the regulated market and that the events are accessible to individuals under the age of 21. The, stated the cease and desist letter. These are access, uh, These events appear to violate the Connecticut Unfair, Unfair Trade Practice Act, CUTPA, General Statutes 42-110A um, at, you know, at SEC, the Responsible and Equitable Regulations for Adult Use Cannabis Act. So if you want to read more into that in Connecticut, you can go there and check it out. We'll have the story posted on hyatt9news.com. So go there and check in on that. Um, it goes on to say, we request that you cease holding these events immediately. If you do not do so, our office will explore all legal options. That's a nice threat from uh, the state attorney general. Neither hosts have commented on the letter yet, but the CT Insider spoke with Christina Capitan, CT Canna Warriors founder, who has previously been involved with High Bazaar. Capitan described Tong and his office, uh, I'm sorry, Capitan described Tong and his office are against us in service of corporate monopoly, put against us in a service of a corporate monopoly, puts former governor Ned Lamont and as the face of the drug war 2.0. While we are disappointed, we are not surprised, as this simply is a continuation of Governor Lamont's effort to criminalize cannabis home growers while simultaneously denying anyone without millions the ability to get a legal license in Connecticut, Captain says. Another Canada Warriors member, Ivelisse Correa, uh, explained the harmless nature of the events. It's just a flower. We're not selling crack. This is a craft cannabis community, Correa said. Not everyone is happy with the current state of Connecticut's cannabis industry. Luis Ronaldo told CT Insider, why, why now is the time to reevaluate these cannabis events? It's time for us to collectively pivot to a more populous solution, one that opens up the market to local small craft producers and caregivers, Ronaldo said. While the high bazaar has remained private, it has created a stark divide between advocates and politicians. What, on one side, we have a group of advocates whose net impact on cannabis policy has been regressive. After flaunting their exploitation of the gifting loophole and forcing state legislators to close it, Ronaldo explained. On the other side, we have elected officials who, instead of serving the people, serve as enforcers of market share protectionism for the state uh, uh, for the state's four incumbent licensed producers. All while frustrated patients and consumers continue to source from outside Connecticut's regulated market due to ongoing quality pricing and trust concerns. In March of 2022, House Bill 5329 was introduced, and by May, it was signed by Governor Ned Lamont. It implemented limitations for cannabis gifting, as well as charge visitors, as well as charge violators, $1,000 for gifting. 
Recreational cannabis sales launched in Connecticut in January of 2023, which exi which existing medical cannabis dispensaries to be licensed to sell adult use cannabis. Uh, immediately after the sale began, though, some legislators proposed changes to the state's cannabis program, including new application fees. In February, Attorney General Tong sued five retailers for conducting Delta 8 THC cannabis product sales under the Connecticut's Unfair Trade pra Practices Act. Cannabis products in Connecticut cannot be sold by unlicensed retailers and must meet rigorous testing and packaging requirements, period, said Tong. Any unlicensed Connecticut retailer selling Delta 8 THC products that purport to contain high levels of THC is breaking the law and may be subject to both criminal and civil penalties. While adult use cannabis sales in Connecticut continue to rise, as of December 23, annual cannabis sales earned between January 23 and November 23 reached $127 million. That includes an increase in monthly sales for every month last year, with January kicking off sales at $5.1 million, followed by increases in February, 7.02, March, 9.6, April 10.2, May 11.5 million, June 12.5 million, July 13 million, August 14 million, September 14.3, um, and so on, ending in November at $15.3 million for that month. Medical cannabis, on the other hand, has been fluctuating slightly in overall sales, with the lowest income recorded in January of 23 with 8.2 million and the highest uh, set at 12.6 million in March of 23. Recently in December of 23, though, there were alcohol, where alcohol sales are prohibited on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, cannabis sales were still permitted. And because we regulate many things you may be wondering about, Connecticut law does not prohibit the sale of cannabis or limit your ability to place wagers during the holiday, said Consumer Protection Commissioner Brian T. Caffarelli. No matter, no matter how you choose to spend the holidays, please know your limit or arrange designated drivers and be respectful to, to the establishments and the communities where you celebrate. All right, that's the story. Um, that's interesting about Connecticut. I didn't know they had like such rules about uh, consumption on holidays. That's interesting. But nonetheless, um, you know, this is uh, this isn't surprising that they're sending letters but what do you guys think i mean you know california's been doing the sessions for a long time so jason i know you're you know you got some history there why don't you uh enlighten us a little bit well i mean i just i find it interesting that um that that they're sending them this cease and des desist order for for having a sesh or whatnot and like why like connecticut is so small like why not just go to massachusetts and do it or go to Vermont and do it. You, like, like, there's all these states that surround Connecticut that they could do do it outside in. And it's not like Connecticut is yeah. it's, it's three hours to get any to another state. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why is it illegal to to yeah. get a joint That's in a legal question. state at a festival? Because they're not making because they're not making money off of it. That's why. That's why it's illegal because they're not making just money so off of it. It's so frustrating, you know. You can do it, but you can only do it here. I, I mean, it's just it like here. You have to. Isn't it just like the last story, though? It's like you can grow them, but you can't have them. <laughs> right. You know, right. it's the same thing. thing. It's the same thing. Uh, at least at least they stay that, consistent on it. Does that, it's everything to the left of the thimbles, to the right of the erasers, above the pencils. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think is about that this, Stone? Is illegal to smoke a joint with a friend? Is that is that gifting as well? Like, that's so stupid. Oh, I, I mean, I mean they're going to they're gonna give you a $1,000 fine. Like, it's just like, it's just... 
We're going backwards. Like I said, they're the the laws they've signed are regressive. Um, they're not helpful. Uh, it's 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 just interesting to see kind of like some of these um, more corrupt, um, you know, systemically corrupt uh, places and municipalities, like in places like Connecticut. Uh, what's happening? I mean, the local government can really make it miserable. I mean, Pennsylvania and now apparently Connecticut are kind of testaments to that. Pennsylvania, the way they have their their liquor distribution and their you know cannabis program distribution is kind of crazy. Um, I like it for some things, but also just like I don't like that they're implementing such such restrictions on businesses where this is supposed to be a free market open to innovation and you have mm -hmm. to play between some boundaries. But, you know, when the government tells you you can't use certain ingredients because they're not derived from the plant that they're taxing you to death on, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, how far is that, that reach going to go? Um, that's always the concern. Obviously, we're seeing massive overreach in many different ways now um, by local and federal governments in many different, you know, regions in the world. But, you know, that's how that's how I kind of view it. It's just like... This is just they're they're just gonna we're giving them the stick to beat us with on that and that's what's yeah, smart. Uh, I mean, and knowing the Connecticut industry, uh, we've been covering it for the last couple of years. Um, they've had issues from the jump. Mm -hmm. It's like a cartel state. They only have four. It's actually a four licenses. A cartel state. Yep. <laughs> doesn't okay. matter if you're. Fair enough. Fair it doesn't matter if you are. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a Democratic or a Republican. But um, yeah, they had only like four farms that were uh, able to supply the entire industry, and two of them went down. I believe it was like last winter. Like mm -hmm. two of them went down yeah. with like like mold yeah. infections, and they cut off fifty percent of the whole supply uh, to the state. So you already have people going to Massachusetts to to procure uh, whatever they wanted. I was actually out there. Um, uh, two holiday seasons um, ago and the weed is absolutely trash man like why i don't know why anybody would uh, legally get anything from that state so it's only natural that you would have the quote-unquote craft industry actually coming through and trying to do their own thing there they need to find a way i think the connecticut government needs to find a way to work with uh, these folks because um that it their whole industry is going to just implode. Like nobody wants that booth. Uh, nobody wants those prices. And they're going to continue going to Massachusetts, going down to New York uh, to get their shit. And um, government's not going to get anything out of it. So, yeah, very true. Very, very true. I mean, Perpet yep, just a, just a perpetuation, um, you know, but it's all our fault. So it's OK. You know, we just take the blame, take it on the chin, smoke that kush. Or if they want or, 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 or if they wanted, if, if they wanted to, they could always just start a new corporation, maybe a Delaware corporation, and then say that they're operating under this un, under this thing and then get a whole new cease and desist order for that company. There you go, and they won't know who who runs that company if they're yep. in Delaware court. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, the government's trying to put a kibosh on that right now, man. They're trying to they're trying to unmask these shell companies don't they, in Delaware. Don't they, 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 they? They never learn from this. It's like it's like once you kill one, we they're gonna just go pop in, up two or three other Biden ones over here. Yeah, Joe Biden an is illegal dispensary in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, awesome! This is, a, yeah, this, is a, this is a good one. I hope I hope that the Connecticut cannabis community, oh, triple C's right there. Mm -hmm. Hope they uh, get their shit together, and I and I hope that they um, uh, are allowed to uh, just persist with this because um, they're just going to turn everything into the trap.
I, trap. I think they are going to be fine. They're going to the, the this this attorney general Tong is going to have enough problems with all of the uh, the THCA and the gas stations being sold in Connecticut. Right. So it's like you know he's cool. They're cool. They just got to ride it out. They're just going to have you know battles. <laughs> like pick your battle there. You know I think that there's all kinds of all kinds of issues on the on the rise with uh, with all this stuff. So we'll see. You know just grab your popcorn, people. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. It'll be an interesting year, yes, mm-hmm. indeed. But thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of Hide Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen to our live audience supporters and uh excuse me, live audience and online supporters, catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the cannabis industry in development. And to our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, our sponsors. Sponsors keeping the lights on, our AV struggles to a minimum, and of course, Adam holding it down for us behind the scenes, just brushing his hair, doing his mm-hmm. thing, making sure it stays feathered. And always, Cannabis TV, <laughs> the reason Hyatt 9 News team reads these headlines every single day. Thank you, too. It has been Tuesday, January 9th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. My name is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News, the cannabis industry's number one daily news show and today we're going to give it to mr todd dankin bring us out today my man i certainly will happy new year everybody be safe and loving to one another and uh oh it's love and cannabis i always say love it